0: Hey, hey, boys, not dipping at the table. <laughs> it. <was a> <laughs> yeah. Alright, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Feels good to be in the clubhouse again. Yeah, we have a full table with us here today, unlike last meeting where we were short for no good reason. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Work work comes first, we all know that. Hank knows that. Cotton knows that. <laughs> but uh, I guess I should let you guys know who's at the table right now. You got myself, Dustin, uh, the troop leader, uh, also known as Lays With Beave, to my right. Uh, denim Smoking Dart,
1: the historian
2: across from the historian, you have myself, Miles, the Keeping It Real consultant. It's good to be here.
1: And to round it off, I am the tip of the spear, and I am the Jody Freebeer, the Cron Don. (laughs) But my government name is Lucas. I'm here. How are you doing?
0: (laughs) I like that the tip of the spear is rounded off.
1: (laughs) It's my favorite.
0: Anyways, uh, glad that the gang is all back together in the clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Um, So let's start it off with a straight arrow oath. Uh, For those of you in uniform, uh, hand over your heart. Those in civilian clothes like you listening at home, uh, three-finger salute. Hold it, and if you are driving, do it anyways. (laughs) I'll start us off.
1: A straight arrow tells the truth.
3: A straight arrow loves nature.
1: A straight arrow never gives a gift without batteries. And a straight arrow is against
2: Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a roundtable, We Tanya?
0: We Tanya! Oh, this is going to be a good one. I can just feel it. I can feel the energy is here. If we had beers to crack, we'd crack them, but they're already open. Moving on, let's talk about the episode a little bit. We're here talking about the shins of the father... Um, I think the historian wants to give you a little rundown of the behind the scenes of it.
3: So, yeah, Shins of the Fathers, King of the Hill, season one, episode eight, originally aired March 23rd, 1997. It was written by the uh, very prominent King of the Hill uh, writing team, Alan R. Cohen and Alan Friedland. They've in 15 episodes together for King of the Hill, which is so far, I think, the highest anybody has credits for. And uh, they also wrote the movie Due Date. And then, yeah, it's directed by Martin Archer Jr. Also worked in the animation department for The Simpsons movie as well as The Simpsons video game from 2007. Remember that one?
2: I love that game. You had to come over to my house and beat it for me. <laughs> yeah, I <did. laughs> Stuck on the last <laughs> level. Such a good game. Is he uh, related to Wesley Archer? I always see that name. Yeah, no, King he's not.
3: Him. Yeah, no. Well, at least they didn't say he was. His information was actually pretty spotty. He doesn't he didn't he seemed to just work in a lot of animation departments. American Dad and The Simpsons and the later years of The Simpsons.
2: So the King of the Hill was his was his best. Was his peak,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't know. That Simpsons video game is pretty good.
2: I guess we will transition now into the episode synopsis coming from our tip of the spear.
1: Yeah, so a quick breakdown of the episode here. Uh, Hank's rambunctious, bigoted, sexist, loudmouthed war vet father, Cotton, visit the hills for Bobby's birthday. Instantly, Cotton teaches the boy bad habits about how to treat women. Hank refuses to admit his father is doing wrong until Cotton takes Bobby to the sleazy Hotel Ireland to go hookah shopping.
2: So I guess we can dive right into this episode now. Um, We see the opening scene and it's clearly Bobby's birthday party. He's feebly attempting to blow up balloons and hang them with his mother.
0: Okay, I've done that before and it is fucking hard to tie a balloon. I don't know about (laughs) you, but I remember trying to do it as a fucking kid and they looked exactly like that. And I appreciate Peggy for just, you know, that's the work that he did and that's the work that he's putting up.
3: I don't know, it seems kind of lazy to me for her to just be like, damn, my son's an idiot and just blow up (laughs) the balloons herself. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She's substitute teacher of the year. You think she could at least teach the kid to tie a fucking balloon?
2: She's pretty useless. Um, we see Hank enter and he is upset because his father, Cotton's invitation, was returned to sender because Bobby put the sending address as Hell USA. Where he actually lives in Houston. <laughs>
0: now, is Hell USA like a real place? Like, did, do we know that? Like,
1: Yeah, so I uh, I decided to look for that because that's the kind of shit that I'm into. Um, Hell? So I, I I, looked for it, and it turns out that it is. Sort of. Technically, Hell USA is an unincorporated community, meaning it's a region of land that's not governed by a local municipal corporation. And it's in the Putnam Township of Livingston County in the great state of Michigan. <laughs> Is a, she, uh, yeah so it's it's stay. it's it's very small uh the wikipedia page basically just said there's like a store there um there was a uh a guitarist that i'd never heard of that was from there and that was about it uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so is there like if you is the mailing address hell u s a or is it what's the name penton county
2: Putnam county so are they like are they all Satanists that live there? Or is that just a coincidence? Did like Jerry Hell start this town? No, there was
1: uh, uh well first to answer Danham's question. Um, I don't know for absolute certainty because I didn't really totally understand what a unincorporated community right? So I went in and tried to look that up, but I didn't want to read a whole page about
3: it. And I mean the I think Qualicum's an unincorporated community where they don't allow corporations. Okay.
0: That's a fact. I
3: think Sedona. Arizona is like that as well. Yeah.
0: But um the letter did come return to sender. So I'm thinking maybe
1: yeah, and uh, to just answer your question there, Miles, uh, the the Wikipedia page, Wikipedia page, sorry, gave two reasons as to why it may have been called Hell, USA, and one of the reasons was because way back in the day, with the first like people who got there or whatever, were German people, and they said something in German, and one of the words that they said sounded like hell, and for whatever reason, that ended up like getting, I don't think it was, I don't think it was that. <laughs>
0: Are you sure that they just didn't have a sign that said, hello, USA, and the O just fell off? It (laughs) might have been.
1: Like, this is back in 18-whatever, right? So there was a great deal of loss in translation and confusion going on. And the other reason was just, um, I believe it was just kind of the temperature and, like, the arid kind of... So climate these, that was around. That that one seemed a little bit of a Wikipedia special. So or was
2: one. it just these German tourists didn't think too highly of old yeah. Michigan? <laughs> I
1: think it was these goddamn German tourists.
0: <laughs> oh, great. So anyways, Bobby calls up his grandpa to invite him. Bobby, you have to dial more than three numbers if you're going to fake call.
2: if Bobby's... Bobby's reason he doesn't want his his grandpa there. This episode kind of makes it seem like he maybe hasn't seen Cotton in a while, maybe at least a year. And his reasons are he's got big plastic teeth, he screams all the time, and his legs don't work. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you speak about your grandfather's legs?
0: Oh, man, I love the animation on his legs. Oh, when he walks? This whole episode, on everything. Even the way, like, when you can see his ankle kind of slipping out from underneath his pants, like, it literally looks like just a knee to an ankle. Like, yeah. It's hilarious. So, my foot to my (laughs) (laughs) knee. Like, you can see the lines of the ankle bone, and I just think
2: it's so funny. This must have been, like, an experimental, like, field medic or something, because usually they don't (laughs) craft your feet to your knees. It just doesn't work that way. But Cotton thrived. He went from 6'4 to 5'2
1: or something.
3: I don't want Grandpa at my party. The kids are already going to hate me because you got the wrong kind of bean dip. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've actually brought lima bean dip to the party. Oh. Nobody likes lima beans.
2: What a bitch. Yeah, lima beans are about as fun as Peggy's, so that makes sense.
3: So, yeah, I'm guessing that Bobby wanted seven layer and got something like
1: uh this party's boring. Everybody hates you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and this is the second appearance of Stuart Dooley in the in the in season one, and I believe it's only a second line too. If you remember from episode two, is it three? It's the Peggy one. It's episode two, Square Peg. And Julie leans over to some kids and says, Your your dad lost his job.
1: <laughs> yeah, that guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> Haven't heard a bad thing come out of his mouth so far. Yeah,
0: that guy's got killer lines. He's got he's got a good one that he does to Bill later that I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to because it's probably my favorite or one of my favorite lines in the episode. This party's actually a good one. I felt like this episode really started with a bang, you know. I I really liked it. Like I found myself laughing a lot. I like, love the
3: Cotton episodes.
0: Oh just man. like as soon
3: as you know Cotton's going to be in, you know you're just going to laugh a lot.
0: Oh fuck, it was great. It was hilarious.
3: I think it's fun that uh like it's a fun fact that Hank went to kindergarten with uh, with Didi. With Didi. <laughs> hey
0: Hank.
2: Do you still like yeah, finger caught. painting? <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, right away the the groundwork is laid out in this episode for a very um, strong plotline in this series moving forwards, and that is Cotton and Peggy's just absolute hate for each other. That he Cotton won't, and Hank's wife. Yeah, he won't even call her Peggy, which is so funny.
3: And 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 Cotton insists on calling Dee Dee, Hank's mama. <laughs>
2: just to touch on Bobby's birthday party again it did look pretty sweet there's a slip and slide Bill's playing on it he crashes through the fence there's piñatas there's
1: tons of people there like it looks awesome (laughs) piñata yeah Bobby's doing that thing like his last ditch effort to fucking entertain people what
2: are you talking about what are you talking about
1: (laughs) yeah Bobby's
2: infamous like only original his
3: old his old Jewish comedian (laughs) impression
2: (laughs) I liked it when there was Bobby's doing that. He's he's complaining to his father that he's that he's going nowhere with his jokes, and Hank's standing around cooking burgers for the guys. Bill suggests he takes the steak, which Hank goes, "The hell you are! That's for Cotton. That's Cotton's ribeye." But Dale, he warns Cotton. He goes, "You better get out of here, Cotton. Cotton's coming because he still thinks the con <laughs> is Japanese." <laughs> There's been two more episodes since the West East Side Story.
0: I think Bill even jumps in on that. Just like, You know that he doesn't like the Japanese. Oh, man.
2: So enter Cotton at this point. <laughs> man, does that guy know how to make an entrance. He pulls in in his Cadillac. Actually, Dee is driving and <laughs> to- towing like a 16-foot enclosed trailer and pops out of the back his Cotton with a cowboy hat on riding this rental horse that he rented <laughs> for the party. <laughs> yeah. So... Enter Cotton, enter a new vehicle into the king of the whole world. Oh, so, ooh. I was up on the Internet Movie Cars Database, or the IMCDB for short, and there was much of some discussion over Cotton's car. Originally, the blogs, they were saying it was a 1969 Cadillac Eldorado, while others were suggesting it was an early to mid-1980s Cadillac Fleetwood Brougham, or just a later Eldorado.
3: My money's on the 80s. Yes,
2: and the car—it's also it, it, like it changes from like a four-door to a coupe to a convertible, just depending on the episode, whatever they need for the jokes. And I did some research, and I do believe the car to be an early 1980s Eldorado. I think that's just
0: fantastic. It's still, I still can't get over the database. I can't, yeah, that's I, that's, that's great. phenomenal. Um, that, 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 that exists.
2: I like, like when I see a new vehicle that it's like worth mentioning or talking about, and then I'm like, oh, i try. trying. Like, it's hard to find, right? Like, there's not a lot of and then all of a sudden the IMCDB pops up <laughs> and there's all these old car jockeys that they probably like, don't give a flying fuck about any of like, like... I'm just like waiting to see their threads. on. Like If I'm really bored, I'll punch in like grease in, or, yeah. like, and like see what they have to say about those cars. But the El Dorado, I think that's the golden in Spanish. Because I know there's a fish called the golden Dorado. And Dorado, I'm pretty sure this means gold in Spanish.
1: Uh, uh, Dad, this here is my new neighbor. He's Japanese. No, he ain't.
0: He's Laotian. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the best part of that, like that, that little like interchange there is like is how fucking Cotton like walks right up to his face and just like is right there, just staring him in the eye. Yeah, it's like he almost like smells him too for that brief pause. <laughs> yeah. I have these two two quotes written
2: down here from Cotton at his arrival, and he. I think Hank goes Oh dad you son of a gun Khan goes Well you know me I'm larger than life And then the next one goes What do you think Of your mom's new ta (laughs) Shortly after this He flashes a one dollar bill At Khan (laughs) He goes Mr. Khan I'll have a Mai Tai
0: (laughs) Yeah so then uh, I think I guess like Bill Gets back from the horse ride And uh, I think it's just Just before they're uh, Doing the pinata
3: thinks your party's cool, Bobby. No,
0: I'm having fun. Your wife divorced you. <laughs> <laughs> so much
2: like that, your dad lost his job. <laughs> oh, man, nobody lets Bill be happy. <laughs> <laughs> nobody. Even this 12-year-old kid, he doesn't know, has a shit all over his...
0: <laughs> I bet you that horse ride didn't even last that long. <laughs> the
2: horse got tired. I did laugh how... Bill just kind of shoved everyone out of the way to get the first ride on the horse. And he called Joseph Moe for staring at his fucking legs.
0: Oh man. So I guess Cotton gets super bored of the party right away even though he's the life of the party and demands Bobby open his gift, which I don't know if you have anything to say about it, but
2: pretty sweet Cotton gift, right? Yeah, Cotton's gift to Bobby um, is a 20 gauge shotgun, <laughs> a 20 gauge Winchester shotgun which we find out a few scenes later was actually loaded.
0: You gave him a loaded shotgun? Well, you don't give a toy without batteries.
2: And <laughs> you yeah, ain't fucking Come and get wrong. your
0: tootsie rolls. <laughs>
2: So this was actually probably the perfect gun to gift Bobby, a 20 gauge. The higher the gauge, the smaller the gun. So it's it's smaller than a 12 gauge. So it is is considered like a beginner shotgun, beginning hunting rifle, mostly used for hunting birds or in the case in this episode, shooting open a pinata yeah. <laughs> in front of the neighborhood. Which Dale failed to keep cut open with his knife.
0: Like just trying to help him out. That was so funny. Dale running it up with a knife. He did get it open though eventually
2: really liked the part after Peggy scolds Cotton for giving Bobby the loaded gun and Cotton calls her Hillary
0: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even catch
1: I didn't even catch that It's
0: so good. Yeah, I definitely failed to put two and two together. I thought, like, honestly, like, when I was watching, I was like, oh, he's just calling her Hillary because she's a hard-working woman. I was just like, whatever, okay, but no, that's so fucking
2: funny. I guess
3: like, I kind of just thought it was because he doesn't call her Peggy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's also, I guess there were a couple of layers to this one. I had my notes mixed up. That came actually from the scene where Bobby is helping Peggy clean up, and he's doing... Dishes with his pin gloves on.
3: That's when uh, Cotton starts to take Bobby under his wing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He explains to him that that's this clearly woman, women's work. Women's work. <laughs> and he asks yeah, Bobby what does he wants to do in his life, and this also makes me think the that comic? they haven't seen each other in a few years, like a while. It seems like.
3: Well, yeah, Peggy tries to keep him away. Clearly.
2: Yeah, and they haven't. They also haven't seen um, Dee Dee's new breasts. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes, Cotton asks Bobby what he wants to do with his life. Bobby explains to him that he wants to be a prop comic. And Cotton is surprisingly just so down with it.
0: Hank, Bobby and me have decided he's going to stick vegetables up his nose. He's not going to take over the family gas station (laughs) I fucking love that (laughs) Oh man, it's so good on so many levels The
2: family gas station He is so perfectly condescending to Hank's dream job (laughs) On selling propane I
0: know, versus Bobby's, which is sticking vegetables (laughs) in his nose And it's so great, more because it's exactly what Hank doesn't want Bobby to do and I only, think that's the only reason
3: Cotton likes that. Yeah, probably.
0: Don't sass me, boy. You ain't too big for me to give you a licking. <laughs> oh, dad, you old skunk. Come on, <laughs> grease monkey. Let's tangle.
3: And then I guess they want Cotton to leave, and Peggy tries to kick him out.
2: Yeah, right away after this, Peggy starts kind of like ushering she's him putting,
3: out. She's putting down her size 16 and a half. <laughs> Clown
2: feet. Yeah, so then he... You know they all do the farewell, and Cotton's Cadillac doesn't want to start. And Luann perfectly diagnoses the problem without even popping the hood. Like right? that's shiny,
3: and fixes it.
2: That's Shiny Pines Trailer Park ingenuity right yeah. there. I'd like to just introduce this as not only my favorite joke of the episode, but one of like the top 10 ultimate one liners that come from the entire King of the Hill series. Like, this has got to be number one in at least season one, too. Let's just all take a listen.
0: Put an apron over your new bosom, too. Don't tell her, but I got them cheap. Both lefties.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What kind of back alley doctor did Dee Dee's tit job? Both lefties. I like how he says, don't tell her, and then just screams, both lefties. And she's like, (laughs) and like in his mind, I guess those aren't allowed to get wet. (laughs) Put an apron over your new bosom. Oh, God. Um, uh, Cotton is really rolling in the dough in this episode. He just put out like, I mean, this is probably half price, I guess, if they're both lefties, (laughs) but he dropped probably about a couple grand on them Hooters, and he's rolling in his caddy, renting renting a horse horse that doesn't come back, and he doesn't seem to
3: care. (laughs) (laughs) Bobby is shotgun. Yeah, because,
2: like, foreshadowing, later in the series, Con is, like, severely broke, and he... So, I don't know what he's riding in this. Maybe Dee's. I guess she still must be working. I think she's, like, an optometrist or something. Pretty sure Dee's occupation is a nurse. No, you're totally right. The show just contradicts itself from different episodes. Um, At one point, she's an optometrist assistant. And then also in the earlier episode, she is a nurse. But Con doesn't want her to work. (laughs) Because he doesn't believe in women in the workplace.
0: See, Bobby? Woman works. Man loses his sausage.
2: (laughs) So keep in mind here, he's got bacon, ham, and a steak on his (laughs) breakfast plate and a bunch of corn pone. What is
0: it? Wait, what is that? I need to know what cornpone is. Cornpone?
2: Yeah, it's it's spelled how it sounds. It's cornpone. It's it's cornbread, but it's not sweet. Oh, it's it's like uh only in like the southwestern southern states. It's.
3: I like cornbread. Is it like in the shape of a cornbread, or is it like?
2: It's. I can't remember. I didn't write it down because I didn't think we'd be talking about it. But (laughs) it's basically just areas of the southern states where they couldn't get like couldn't grow wheat. Or oh. flour, or whatever the main ingredient in cornbread is that they had to... Corn? No, the other one. Bread. <laughs> the bread. <laughs> the oh. bread part. Yeah, so they didn't have those, so they had to make it out of like whatever was around. So it's not sweet, but it's... yeah. Apparently it's not bad. They like it <laughs> with their uh, chili con carne. You're all skin and bones, girly. Put some corn pone on them hit. <laughs> yeah. I like, the,
3: I like when she just loses it on him and, and yells at him.
2: Yeah, I'm like, way to
0: go,
3: Luanne. Luanne's the
2: best. It's funny because, like, t- like Luann gets mad at Cotton because Cotton tells her that she will never know if she <laughs> is attractive or yeah, not. Yeah, that's It is it. a man's job to tell a woman when she looks pretty or whether when she's had enough.
1: Yeah, the whole episode, I, I really enjoyed having Luann there as sort of, a, I guess, like a buffer character between, like, uh, Cotton and uh, Hank and... Uh, Piggy, because like she would, she would stand up for not only herself but also like the rest of the family, oh, and sort right. of stand up against Cotton and just you know put him in his in his place. But like she was also sort of breaking the mold of like what a woman should be when Cotton was saying when she was like saying the stuff about the car and like she mentioned the, the line about the solenoid and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. She's, she's getting out of her, you know, she's not doing woman's work. No, absolutely. She's, she's, she's going out there and getting some sausage of her own, you know what I
0: mean? <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought about uh, smoking dart a lot this episode <laughs> while watching it. Just because Luann has some solid parts that I knew he'd, he'd shed a tear for, because that, that guy holds a place in his heart for Luann. I yeah, know he does.
3: She's the best. And I like that she still takes the time to fix the car. Like, she fixes Cotton's car.
2: Yeah, and like, perfectly.
3: Yeah. Like, and then he still laughs at her later.
0: So she she definitely wants him gone. I feel oh, like that's yeah. a big driver of why she fixed it so perfectly. She does not want them breaking down on the way out.
3: Also, I liked the vision of Hank dressed up as a chamois.
0: <laughs> rolling around on the hood of the Cadillac. Yeah, yeah no doubt.
2: Yeah. How unsafe is that? Especially they're in, like, Texas. Like, any part of the baby's skin touches that car. He's going to get <laughs> fucking roasted. And it's also pretty slippery. Like that's a decent drop for an infant. <laughs> uh anyway, Cotton takes this opportunity to like he clearly he had no intention of taking Bobby to school. <laughs> he takes him to the bar where we we find them at this bar, and Cotton's on his fourth beer, and Bobby is on his fourth ball of root beer.
3: <laughs> and he's allowed to order food.
2: Yeah, and uh, Cotton gives him the old one too about how to order from an old. Afternoon bar wench.
0: <laughs> hey Missy. How about some sandwiches?? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Later on, they leave the bar and the guys are reminiscing. Wait, wait, I gotta I gotta pull this
0: away from you. You hadn't, you didn't even talk about the celebrate why they were there celebrating. You know whose birthday it was, September 30th? You sure it's okay for me to be out of school today, Grandpa? Oh, yeah, it's a holiday, isn't it? It's Angie Dickinson's birthday.
2: Where do we want to start, boys? (laughs) I think we're going to do this like the Beastie Boys do. (laughs) We could all pick one of the three affairs (laughs) that Angie Dickinson had.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and John F. Kennedy, come on down.
2: To the affair is
0: right. All right. Frank, what about you? Well, I met her back in the day. She was rehearsing to be on NBC. And I picked her up and I got her on a couple shows. And she starred as my wife in Ocean's Eleven. That's my best Frank. I don't know.
1: Now, uh, apart from just, like, dinking all these real cool dudes, Angie Dickinson is known for her roles in the uh, 1959 film Real Bravo.
0: Which I am just saying is probably Cotton's favorite movie. movie
1: Pro, yeah.
0: Dude, it's got, it's got uh, John Wayne... Uh, and obviously Angie Dickinson, who whom he loves very much. Yeah. And that doesn't that also have Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin in it? Or is that a different one?
3: I think Dean Martin plays a drunk in that movie.
0: Yeah, so like Cotton must be a Western fan.
3: Rio Bar- Bravo stars John Wayne, Dean Martin, Ricky Nelson, Angie, Dick- Angie Dickinson.
1: Mm. She's Thank also, you. Uh, she was also known for her role in uh, Big Bad Mama, a film from 1974. I believe that was a Roger Corman joint. It was like a grindhouse like, exploitation. I just pulled out the poster on my phone. And it looks fucking amazing. It's just like three chicks with guns on the top, and then on the bottom half of the poster, there's three chicks with guns in <laughs> no. a car, in a car. Nice. Yeah, it looks pretty fucking cool. What's and it she was again? also. It was uh, Big Bad Mama. It's a film from 1974. Damn. She was also known from the TV series Police Woman, which first aired in September 13th, 1974. I and love her the woman from back her birthday
2: was September 30th, 1931. So that would make Bobby's birthday September 29th.
3: She's 86.
2: Yeah, she's getting up there. Damn, Bobby. Um, Anyways, I just wanted
0: to say, before we get off the topic, that her second husband was none other than the one man, Burt Bacharach.
3: Burt Bacharach?
0: Absolutely, Burt Bacharach. I
2: really like Burt Bacharach. (laughs) I only know him from Austin Powers. Yes. (laughs) Like, pretty much exclusively.
0: The main reason why I like him so much.
2: (laughs) He's a smooth pimp, and he plays himself, and it works very well. After uh, we see another scene, the guys are reminiscing to back in the day when Cotton takes all the guys to the Hotel Arlen because they won the big game. And as a prize, Cotton's gonna buy all the guys uh, hookers. Pick out a live one and Hank hang just sprints out of the Hotel Arlen, which is super funny. Uh, we zoom back to the to current time and we find Cotton and Bobby sitting on the couch in their underpants, watching Charlie's Angels. Now, when this scene starts, there is a line the Con says,
1: Good morning, angels. Do I have an assignment for you?
0: Good morning, Charlie. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn! It's a silly hack! That's like getting a shimp. <laughs> That's gibberish. I don't know if you guys understood that, because
1: explain it to me.
2: It took me like the longest I've tried like online looking and looking and looking like because I so
1: so he says that's a shilly hack. Okay, first of all, I'm just
2: just with you guys. I took it like I was like just Googling everything that I thought he was saying, and it was all coming up blank. And I finally found like this old blog, this guy that basically just did research on the episode, and he says, um, "Can you play the clip one more time, please?" Ah,
0: ah, Ah, damn. It's a Shelly Hack. <laughs> That's like getting a shemp.
2: Okay, so what this means is Cotton is pissed off because he turns on uh, Charlie's Angels, and it's Shelly Hack who replaced oh. Kate Jackson in the fourth season of Charlie Angels, and she was not nearly as popular as Kate Jackson. And what he says, it's like getting a shimp, was he comp- so he compares it to Shemp Howard. Who Is was he? Was one of the original oh, Stooges, okay. so he was an original Stooge. Got into a beef for whatever reason with the main guy, and he left. And his brother came in and replaced him, who was Curly, who was the most hands down popular of the Three Stooges. So that's why, that's why Khan said that.
3: Yeah. It's like getting a ship. So it's like, so it's like he's like upset that he's. Now turned on the TV and randomly got a shitty episode of Charlie's Angels. That is so awesome because I thought he was having a Vietnam flashback or something like. Yeah, because
0: I was relating it to Charlie because that was the only word I understood. Yeah, but that you're shedding so much light on that. Yeah, me too. I
1: totally thought it was just some sort of Tojo speak.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like getting a what is it a Q episode when you're watching Star Trek. It's like some people like them, but some people don't like them.
1: No
3: one has any time for Q episodes. And that's
2: what it was. Yeah, Kate Jackson left in <sighs> 1979 to pursue bigger and better things, a film career. And yeah, I guess Shelley Hack was not the angel that Kate Jackson was. And uh, Sham Howard was not the Curly. So that's why Con was mad.
3: I like that. That's such an old mentality for watching TV. <laughs> it's like It's like when I... Used to watch come home from Seinfeld, sorry, come home from school to watch Seinfeld, and I would be so excited to turn on the TV. And then I'd get one that I'd just seen for the last like week. I was like, oh man, but you have no other options, you're just gonna watch it again. But uh, yeah, it's just
1: it's it's so relatable. but But now I have any show,
3: now I can stream it all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's yeah, just turn on an episode of X-Files. David Duchovny's not there. Fuck that. Turn on an episode of That 70s Show. Eric Foreman's not there. Fuck that. <laughs> not watching this garbage. Getting yeah. a shamp, bro.
0: Shouts out to the internet. Just a quick shout out to the internet. Thank you for all you've done for Yo. me.
1: Oh, that's a good
0: one, Hank's wife. A woman fixing a car. That's like a pig trying to read. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's ruthless.
2: Like, <coughs> Yeah, Khan could not be more offensive to women. It's so funny how Peggy's like basically a, a feminist in one way or another.
1: Yeah, old Hank's wife didn't like that too much, did she? No, Hank's
2: wife was pissed. So, Denim, remind me, how how did it go in the scene? He, con slabs Dee Dee's ass.
3: I can't remember what happens, but they decide that do they decide that he's gonna stay and then they
2: I think they're humming and hawing about staying.
3: But however it is, I think he I think they're getting them food. I think he asks for food and I think he slaps Dee Dee's ass. Dinner.
0: Dinner's ready. Oh, dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. And Bobby wants to eat dinner watching T V.
3: Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, they were and arguing Cotton about watching wants dinners.
0: To Peggy to listen to her boy because the man wants to eat dinner in here, and Peggy says we eat dinner at the table, and he says in here. <laughs> 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 and uh, so they have that back and forth, and then I guess Dee Dee comes over, and uh, I can't remember if she brings him a beer or dinner, but then it's then Peggy comes over to Bobby to bring her bring him to the table for dinner. And Bobby says no and slaps her butt and tells her to bring him dinner.
3: (laughs) And then Peggy loses it. She has to talk to Hank in the other room. And she's got a few things to say.
2: What are you, turning into some kind of feminist? I am not a feminist, Hank. I am Peggy Hill, a citizen of the Republic of Texas. (laughs) I work hard, I sweat hard, and I love hard. And I gotta smell good and look pretty while I'm doing it.
3: I did some looking up on the Republic of Texas because I wasn't really sure what that was. So as the clubhouse historian, I have a little history lesson here for the for the clubhouse. So the Republic of Texas was formed on March 2nd, 1836. It was the Mexican state Teos with a J. Uh, They declared their independence from Mexico during the Texas Revolution. In February 19th, 1846, the United, Stra- United States President, John Tyler, signed a bill that would authorize the annex of Texas, bringing it into the U.S. And, I mean, they g- they were given permission to cut the state into four additional states, so it would make a total of five, and they just never did it. Um,
0: but, yeah. That's well, why they're called the Lone Star State, baby.
3: It looked like a lot of... Uh, their reasoning for wanting to join, like Texas, was pretty cool with joining America at this point. Uh I think it had a lot to do with the uh, fact they had slaves; they were kind of down with slaves.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, so it's interesting you bring that up. The only thing I know about Texas history, really, besides King of the Hill, is like just playing Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> Great,
0: game. Great game. Yeah. Great
3: game. It is also
2: a great Red Dead Revolver.
0: Shouts out.
3: Red Dead Revolver's great, but I think it takes place in Oklahoma.
2: I was just doing a shout-out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a great one. John Marston, you're my boy.
2: <laughs> um is that is your his, is that, does that conclude your history lesson for this episode?
3: <clears throat> so yeah, that, that will conclude it. The me and Lays with Beaver spent a few weeks down in San Antonio.
2: So what was your guys' favorite parts about being in Texas?
3: Certainly not the Alamo.
2: (laughs) Did you see Davy Crockett's outfit?
3: I mean, actually, I learned a fun fact while I was there that I just do not understand how this is true at all. (laughs) But the largest private collection of Alamo paraphernalia is Phil Collins. The British lead singer and drummer for the band Genesis. Like <laughs> he's not even American. It's
2: he's just he's just bored and has too much money. <laughs>
3: I guess, but there's <laughs> so like the of it. Yeah. But like, there's just so much cooler stuff than the Alamo. Like I've the Alamo just was sort of a battle they lost. The Battle of the Alamo was the tipping point for the Texas Revolution, which made Teos become Tex- the Republic of Texas.
2: Right. This research you've done, Mr. Historian, is going to pay in dividends because they talk about the Alamos so much in this show. Yeah. And they do make an appearance at it in, in one episode. Um, while this scene is happening, while Peggy and Hank are having their, their blow up and Hank screams at Bobby in his bedroom, and like, what a weird thing to do, like, slap your mother's ass like that. Like, I know he doesn't know any better, but that's fucking weird. He should. Um, yeah, but I mean, your grandpa's... I mean, yeah. so why he's this, pretty impressionable. Yeah, so why this... Well. While this is happening uh cotton's outside and he's talking with the guys and he's talking about how he how he kind of likes it here yeah I kind of like it here
0: What kind of work can a guy get in this town uh are you allergic to asbestos? hell
2: no <laughs> for those of you who don't know anything about asbestos I deal with it a lot my day to day with work and
1: everyone is allergic to asbestos it will kill you yeah I saw about you know like uh, a couple thousand little asbestos tags on every fucking pipe of the mill and everybody is extremely allergic to asbestos
2: <laughs> we all went to the same high school and it was built in the 50s and any like hatch into the attic has like giant block letter signs to just say like danger asbestos <laughs> <laughs> we move on to the next day to a very hilarious couple of scenes scenes that actually got me in trouble as as a young boy um this is where from I from your mama From my mama yeah this is when i <laughs> uh, i first learned what about did what would really julie say it was when i first learned about women's work
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The so, ongoing battle.
2: So Bobby is at school with Joseph, and at this point, Bobby is a full-fledged cotton clone. Like, he's talking like him. He has mannerisms like him. And he even steals Connie's dessert.
3: You've had enough cake, Connie.
2: <laughs> <And> this, <laughs> oh,
3: she's moody. Must be PBS.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, that's, I, that's actually the first time in this show, I think, that con jr is called connie as far as i know yeah so uh, bobby joe's were sitting there being ignorant and sexist <laughs> and, and everything and, and bobby goes i gotta see a man about a horse
3: i love that line
2: <laughs> do you guys know what that line like, oh my what, dad says what it means yeah 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 i didn't i didn't know i looked it up it uh, for those of you who don't know, it's an English idiom. Uh, it's either about to see a man about a dog or a horse, and it's basically just an, uh, an excuse or an apology about one's imminent departure without any real reason. It's usually to get like go to the bathroom or go get a drink, and I'm gonna start saying it from now on forever because I think it's awesome.
3: My my papa, he's British, and my nana said it best at at his funeral. She said. Uh, I never asked where the money was coming from and he never told me where it was going. <laughs> <laughs> so he, cause his job was, he didn't really have a, well, he had many jobs. He just bought yeah. and sold stuff and worked at stuff. He you know, even bars. bought and sold he, horses. Yes, he did race horses for a while. Like just things like he just had a new business deal. And, uh, my dad would always say that that's what he would say when he was going to work in the morning was, I'm going to see a man about a dog. <laughs> and so my dad says it because of his dad. Right.
0: Yeah, I use that line a lot too. It's, it's a really good bathroom line. It is a good one.
2: So Bobby, uh, along with the other male students in the cafeteria starts a sexist riot. They're all chanting women's, women's work, work. Women's, work <laughs> women's work, women's work, um, the scene ends. Bobby gets home, sent home from school.
3: Well, sent, quote unquote, home.
2: Yeah, uh, but Peggy phones. Hank at Strickland Propane. Wait
3: a second. This is this, well, this is the moment, isn't it?
2: This is before it. Oh. I was just gonna allude to that. Hank doesn't leave Strickland Propane for fucking anything. He doesn't take <laughs> sick days. He hates taking holiday time. So he was like, he knew he fucked up, agreeing with Colton for th- three quarters of this episode. Now he's got to backtrack and make things right with his wife. And yeah, we find out that Bobby didn't actually make it home. I think he, I think Cotton took him <laughs> yeah. to go buy a hooker, <laughs> at the Hotel Arlen, because he was really proud of him.
3: The only place that Cotton will allow women's work to take place. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah. So Cotton's unaware. Uh, this also alludes to the fact that maybe that Cotton has been out of Arlen for a long time, and he the Hotel Arlen is a classy joint now. There's no hookers. There's no parties in the foyer with a bunch of hookers lined up in a row for these hillbillies. I like that
0: he has the same line that he delivers to Bobby. He delivered to Hank in the flashback. It's, <laughs> get yourself a live one. And Bobby's like, what does that mean?
2: <laughs> I don't know if it's because his con's getting like more like senile and deranged, but he took... Hank and his friends there because they won the football game and he was proud of them. He took Bobby there because he was proud of him because he started a sexist riot <laughs> at his middle school lunch at the cafeteria.
3: I kind of think at this point in the episode, like, <laughs> Cotton is really using Bobby as a weapon against Hank's wife. In the perfect world, she might uh, leave Hank and then him and Dee Dee can just live and run Hank's life.
0: Now... I want to backtrack to kind of closer to the beginning of the episode. You remember when he pulled up in his car? You know, he had a trailer attached. Was that a horse trailer or was that a living trailer?
2: That is what we like to call in the business an enclosed trailer. That is not a living trailer. That is not a horse trailer. That is like <laughs> a travel trailer that you rent from fucking u <laughs> And He was in it on the horse. <laughs> and who knows, like, how far down, like, maybe, like, he must have been, like, just down the block. So it's a moving trailer. So yeah, like, it's, uh,
3: including the horse, he probably had some of his stuff, like all of his stuff. Assuming he has nothing,
2: it appears basically the episode that the trailer kind of ran off with the horse because we never <laughs> yeah, see we it. Never see,
3: we never see never it again. again. And, yeah, I, guess. I guess they pick it up. Good service.
2: Um. So back to the lobby at the Hotel Arlen, where Cotton manages somehow to offend every single woman in there, and it's like it's not a small entrance. Like it's a huge lobby and he's yelling at all these professional lawyer women and he's just calling them all hookers. And then he's going to be back and that they better be ready. And Hank and okay. Sorry. Hank and Peggy, they, they finally show up and that is the final, the, the final straw. And, um, what uh, the historian was mentioning off air, which is a very good point, is that this basically the first three quarters of this episode is the only time in the series that we see Hank really, really go out of his way to accommodate his father's just ignorance and sexism and disrespect to everyone who Hank holds dear besides Bobby and Fatty and Brooklyn. But um, so he he scolds Cotton, you know, in front of everybody, and that was a big, big move for Hank. And then he takes Bobby. From the hotel and and they go to a drive-in to get ice cream and Hank sits him down. It's another kind of sweet, heartfelt moment in King of the Hill that they have a lot at the end of the episode. And he goes, "No, you listen to your mother. She knows what's best. She's smarter. She's she's my best friend, essentially." Is what is what Hank tells to which Hank tells Bobby and Bobby's kind of flabbergasted. Not not maybe that's not the right word, but he, he doesn't understand that until Hank tells him. Hank also goes on to mention that it's not a woman's job simply to serve a man, which is a total irony because they're at a roller skate drive-in uh, diner getting some ice cream.
3: It's exclusively women working yeah, there. Yeah, with
2: exclusive women in your... Serving. Know, yeah. And um, Cotton heads back to Houston. But I think um, what Lays with Beeb was saying off air is that we missed a few things that we're going to go over now, so I'll hand it to him. <laughs> Absolutely, there was just a
0: couple honorable mentions that we didn't get a chance to talk about in this episode, and I just want to run through them kind of quickly. And I think the tip of the spear had something to say about our boy, Dale. Sometimes things just disappear for no logical reason. One day, my cousin woke up; his kidney was gone. At the same time, five hundred miles away, a woman in Phoenix contracted diabetes. <laughs> coincidence
1: i don't know so uh yeah i was pretty interested in this um i won't get too too hot headed about it because it's not so conspiratorial to the point of you know mars and aliens and all that shit it's more of an urban legend i've actually heard about this before um a couple different tv shows and some stories and that sort of thing and uh, so i decided to look into the legal organ trade a little bit so as defined by the world health organization or the who Uh, The illegal organ trade occurs when organs are removed from the body for the purpose of commercial transactions. So naturally, these black market, or more appropriately named red market groups, prey on the poor, and they take advantage of the most vulnerable groups. So you got your homeless people, drug addicts, you know, and and people in underdeveloped countries that are super down their luck, that sort of thing. Hookers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, frighteningly, research shows that the illegal organ trade is on the rise. With a report from the Global Financial Integrity Group estimating generated profits between 600 million and 1.2 billion per year worldwide. And I don't have the year written down on that, but I believe it was from 2005. It was. Uh, just, just about a decade ago or so. And, um, naturally I wanted to try and get some like pricing ideas as to this. Now, as I'm sure you can imagine, like you how much
0: a heart costs. Like yeah.
1: Yeah. So now, as you can imagine, you can't exactly go online, you know, outside of going deep straight web. up tour, deep web, fucking doing that shit. So these are all like yeah, legal prices for United States, like organ transactions. So the most expensive one is the heart and that comes in at a cool $1 million. And then you got your liver at five hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars. Kidneys, so each one of those kidneys goes for two hundred and sixty two thousand dollars. And for our more frugal listeners, we you can get yourselves a pair of eyeballs for the cool price of one thousand five hundred and twenty five dollars. And they work. Well, assume you get someone to attach them into your fucking skull properly, yeah. Yeah, dude, I got a deal. Two lefties. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, I did not deep. look up the prices of of left breasts as compared to right <laughs> breasts, but yeah. So And with those prices also, because those are legal prices, you could figure with an illegal one, you could have a fluctuation of probably 25% on either weight, depending on how good your organ guy is, right? So, I got a pretty good guy.
2: So tip of the spear, I couldn't happen but notice you had a fresh pair of fuzzy dice hanging over the rear view mirror of your van today. Is, are we led to believe that you only have one kidney now? <laughs> it's
3: a sin, no, it's a sin no. <laughs> Okay, no, serious question though. Um, did you look into the buyers? Like, who are the people that are actually getting it? And where do they go to have this done?
1: Um, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the countries, I mean, you, like I said, you, you have like your underdeveloped kind of third world countries, but you have a lot of the major countries as well. Canada was on the list, United States was on the list, Russia was on the list, China was on the list, a lot of the big ones. Now, um, a lot of the information that they gave as to actual purposes, apart from just uh, biological need, Right. So say you want to go to the black market to get a kidney because you can't get a kidney through a kidney transplant because there's a huge list for it or whatever. So there's that reason. Right. You want to skip the line. You got a whole bunch of money or you got an organ guy or you got a shady dude or whatever. But you also have like the third world kind of Eastern medicine purposes right there's still a lot of tribes out there that think you know if they take certain human body parts and grind them up it'll you know make your dick hard or whatever like absolutely i mean you laugh but man it like works. dudes who can't get hard dicks have extincted animals that have ruined the planet like <laughs> just shout out to the rhinos out there because they're barely holding on
3: well i think that does it for the tip of the spear i this is uh smoking beer just want to remind you all to join the club and become an organ
0: donor support the system there was one more honorable mention that i wanted to get into uh it's a quick one it's just another one of those cotton lines where uh it reminded me the lefty one all right hookers listen up i'll be back next year so don't be jacking up your passes (laughs) passes i love it all right well I believe that concludes the episode. Uh, do we want to give any final thoughts around the table? Just a quick share, anybody?
2: I'll have my two cents quickly here. Um, I love Cotton. I love him being a part of the show. He had so many layers and depths to the humor. And Toby has does a fantastic job. Like his Cotton, or sorry, Con was introduced a couple episodes ago. Now Cotton. So those are his, you know, two main speaking roles, and he does a fantastic job. I really like this episode. I think now it probably surpasses Order of the Straight Straighter for my favorite episode. Just on the premise that there are so many one-liners that are just so like usable. Whenever you got caught and you got oh, like he is just a, yeah, he's he's too funny. That's uh, those are my two cents. Is what I thought. Um, my two cents.
0: Uh, this lays with B for those who don't recognize. Better check it. Um. Being new to the series, this definitely, like, showed me that King of the Hill can take it to the next level. And, like, it brought me a little bit more comedy and laughs than I had been gotten used to. So, uh, I'd, I'd definitely give it uh, four out of five. Like, I, I don't know what scale that we usually go on. Is it we nine have ten?
3: changed it up every time. I give I it g-
0: four bags of popcorn and six cups of soda. Oh,
3: that's <laughs> lots of soda. And you get thirsty. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I... Uh, I Definitely give this one two thumbs up. Uh, I just love oh, yeah. how they've they've built up <laughs> they built cotton up through flashbacks exclusively in almost every episode previous. So we have a pretty good idea of Hank's view on his father as a, like a, as a, as a child mm-hmm. And now that he's an he's an adult, and you see that he's still just scared of this man. yeah, and like, yeah, I just I think that because I know that they took the they did the first six before the show got picked up, and then after the show was picked up, it was clear that they were really wanted to tell a cotton story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because this is like right after episode six,
3: exactly. And like you just said, you got um Con in a couple episodes ago, so now the gang's all there.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think we just need Buck Strickland, and I think that's I guess yeah, no, that's about it. Pretty well for a while, anyway.
0: Nice, running or er, free beer?
1: Yeah. Jody, so uh, beer? my uh, my thoughts on the episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I put it up there with uh, my favorites of the season so far. Um, I enjoyed the introduction of Cotton. I. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get to that. Thanks. Mm. Um, two, two
0: shins out of ten.
1: So, uh, yeah, um, I think what this show does well is it explores the father and son dynamic, and I think one of the best examples of that so far in, in this season that we've watched would be this episode. So I would give this 5 out of 7 with Rice. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, A. All right, well,
0: uh, that concludes this meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. Can I get a uh, last concluding We Matanya
1: Peace!
0: Good night, folks. Get out here.
3: Get
0: down. Get down. Want to hear more? Order the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on
3: Instagram
2: at or look for us on Facebook at Order
0: of the Straight Arrow, the King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at ootsakothpod at gmail.com.
2: Please, no hate mail.
0: yee ha! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.